Good morning. And welcome. It seems like we've got some people traveling this, this, this weekend, but welcome um, to, to anyone who's from Regen, guests, visitors. Uh, it's great to be here. I, <laughs> I'll be honest, I could sing that song probably like every week. Um, people, a lot of times people will ask me what my favorite worship song is, you know, and there's, and there's a lot of good hymns out there. There's a lot of good, you know, more modern stuff that's out there. But I think if it came back to it, that probably, I think that's probably my favorite one. Of, of all time. John Mark McMillan is a fantastic songwriter, by the way. I'm not getting paid by him to say any of this. Um, but, if, but check out some of the stuff that he works on. He's, he's a phenomenal uh, uh, singer-songwriter. Um, but welcome. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Regen. And we are now, this is the second week of Epiphany. This season of Epiphany is being ushered in by the Magi that we talked about last week. This is the season of light and love. This is the season where God's light and God's love are now being revealed through the lectionary readings, revealed to the nations, all through what we call the incarnation of Jesus Christ, right? That Jesus Christ was born. This is where we've come from the last, you know, month or so. You know, the story of the shepherds and and the angels, they're singing praises and Jesus born in a manger in Bethlehem. And then last week we got to the Magi from the East. They come, right? We talked about that. But with the Magi come the story of King Herod. And King Herod doing what all empires do when they're threatened. They send out the death squad, right? So Jesus then was a refugee. Jesus flees to take refuge in Egypt from the persecution of possibly being killed in Bethlehem. Then when things are back, to normal he goes back home he settles down for a bit they all move back to israel but then they're warned in another dream to go to a small town called nazareth which is where they land and jesus most likely from that time of coming back to nazareth to basically where we're at today in the lectionary is probably for the most part working uh with his dad working with his dad building things out of wood making homes tables you know whatever stuff that a carpenter would do And really, what's really funny about this, about the Bible that we have, is that that's really all we know about Jesus for those like 25 to 30 years. Um, Except for that one story, the one story where Jesus goes to uh, Jerusalem with his family, gets lost, or I don't think the divine can ever be lost, but, you know, he was left behind by his parents in in Jerusalem. So uh, today our lectionary is going to take us forward then, basically to... About 25, 30 years later to Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. Today is the, is, is, uh, the, the, like the theme in the lectionary today is the baptism of, of our Lord. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So let's open up with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father God, Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. It is good to be here this morning. It is good to sing your praises, to give thanks to you most high, as the psalmist writes. God, as we dig into your word this morning, as we look into all the different ramifications and, 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 and then the different intricacies of Jesus' own baptism, may that transform our hearts. So God, we ask as we do every single Sunday to give us new eyes in which to see, new lungs to breathe in your spirit, new hearts to long and to break for the things that you long for and your heart breaks for. 
God, we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, so we're going to actually take it back a few weeks. If you were here with us in the month of December, you'd remember that on, uh, it was the second Sunday in Advent, the lectionary brought us the couple verses that are right before what we're going to read today. Um, with John the Baptist, right? Remember John the Baptist? He's, he's preaching, he's teaching, and the title of that sermon was to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Remember that where John the Baptist was, was teaching all people to turn around, to change their minds about the ways they viewed God and how we interact with this world around us. And so this is where the lectionary takes us today with this same guy, the same story just a few verses later. This wild guy doing wild things, living in the fringes of society. And John the Baptist is preaching and he's teaching, but he's also baptizing people in the Jordan River. And so it's at this point where we got to stop and, 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 and just hit pause for a few moments and talk about this. We got to talk about this river, this Jordan River that John's doing the, the baptism in it, because it's not a coincidence that this is where we see John knee deep doing his baptizing. If you're familiar at all with any of the stories from the Old Testament, you'd remember a guy named Abram. Eventually, name changed to Abraham, the father of many nations. Well, Abraham was promised an infinite amount of, of, of children, we can call them. Remember, God said that he would bless the, uh, you know, Abraham with so many children that the stars were like, it, you couldn't even see how many kids Abraham was going to have. And the whole point of this nation that God was developing under Abraham was so that way this nation could then go and bless the other nations. Well, this family ended up in Jesus, I mean, ended up in Egypt, just like we talked about with Jesus last week. Only these people were at the hands of a brutal dictator. These people, uh, these, these Hebrew people in Egypt were enslaved uh, by the Pharaoh, this brutal dictator, uh, built a lot of the pyramids that we even see um, today. And so God hears the cries of his people. I'm gonna, this is kind of like a drive-by of this Old Testament stuff. Um, the people he promised would bless the nations. He hears their cry. And so he sends a guy that we know as Moses, right? Talked him through the burning bush, who through a long and strange series of events helps break them free. This was a very long and strange series of events. It sounds like that could be a cool like Netflix show. Long and strange series of events. And together, Moses and, and God and these people seek this beautiful land to live on that God had promised. They were looking for this promised land. But before they even get there, Moses dies and a new leader surfaces and we know him as Joshua. Or as the Hebrew people would call him, Yeshua. Joshua and Yeshua are the same name, okay? So we've got that name right there, but then listen to this. The name Jesus is also Yeshua. You get that? So we've got Joshua, Yeshua in the, New, in the Old Testament. We have Jesus, Yeshua in the, in the New Testament. The name simply means um, like to save or to deliver. And so standing at the door of freedom in the Old Testament, at the door of salvation, after this exodus, Yeshua is there, the Old Testament Joshua, ready to lead his people 
And it's the Jordan River is the last stop that they have to cross before they get to the promised land. So now fast forward all these years later to John the Baptist, where we find him knee deep in this exact same river, the same river that the first Yeshua had to help deliver the people by getting to the other side. John the Baptist is here baptizing, and he even is going to baptize the Messiah, this anointed one, Jesus, who's coming through these same salvific saving waters as the new and much better Yeshua will call him. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open up to Matthew 3. We are going to be in Matthew 3. Uh, just a couple short verses today, 13 to 17. And it begins with saying, Then Jesus arrived at the Jordan from Galilee. When is then? I mean, remember, all these words mean something. Like it's coming from somewhere. Where it's coming from these, just these immediate verses that were our Advent 2 readings uh, back in December. Where we see John the Baptist out there with the locusts and the honey and, and teaching people to repent and, and, and the baptizing. And so while all that stuff is going on in our Advent 2 reading, Jesus is just about to start his public ministry and he comes to this same Jordan River from Galilee and it says he came to John to be baptized by him. Imagine hearing all of this about Jesus from John the Baptist. John the Baptist is out there preaching about a guy whose sandals are... He, this guy is so great that he's not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. And all of a sudden, this guy just shows up. This guy shows up at the same spot where he's teaching about this guy. And instead of now taking the show over, Jesus goes, no, I want you to baptize me. And it makes sense then that John um, says no, because in verse 14 we read, John tried to stop him. Right? John protests. He says, I ought to be baptized by you. And are you going to come to me? You see, John tries to challenge him, tries to stop this from happening, thinking that there's no way that this can be God's plan, that I am going to baptize the Messiah, the Son of God, this new Yeshua. There's no way that I am the one that's going to baptize him. And so he challenges them. But Jesus says, this is how it's got to be. This is the right way for us to complete God's whole saving plan. This is the way that we're going to start this ministry of ushering in this new kingdom. I really don't know why I store the hand drums in the nursery. <laughs> you probably actually can't hear it, but it's like boom, 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 boom. So note to self for this week, hand drums get taken out of the nursery. And so John... While he doesn't want to do this, realizes, okay, this is, this, this is the Messiah. This is the guy that's saying it's time to do it. And so John, it says in, in, in the Greek that John permitted it to happen. And Jesus was baptized here in verse 16. And it says, all at once, as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw God's spirit coming down like a dove and landing on him. This idea of the heavens being opened is the, same, is the same word as we read in the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven. It's this plural word of the heavens, this, this same beginning of the Lord's Prayer where the heavens start at the breath that we breathe and it goes out layer by layer and layer until the 
cosmos that we can't even see and then into the heavenly realms that we know where only God has dominion over. And then a voice came from these same heavens. This is the first time we hear the Father audibly speak to the Son. And this voice says, this is my Son. He's speaking to Jesus, obviously. My beloved one, basically, I love him, said this voice. And I am delighted with him. Basically, I am happy with him. I I think well of him. I am well pleased, as some translations would say. And so here's where I want to land this morning. There's a lot of stuff that we could uh, dig into and explore regarding Jesus' baptism. But this is what sort of stood out to me this week when I was looking through uh, some of this, um, some of this uh, lectionary from, from this particular Sunday. is where God says, this is my beloved son. This is the son I love. And I'm really happy with who he is. I want to go with that. I'm really happy. God says, I'm really happy about who you are, my son. And sometimes I feel like that's all we really need in life. Sometimes I feel like all we need to get through the crud that kind of mucks up life is to be told by someone, somewhere, somehow, that we are loved. That someone actually cares about us and someone is happy about who we are. You notice there's a difference in someone being happy about who they want us to be, but rather someone who's happy with who we are. God's voice says, I am happy with who you are, Jesus. You see, when Jesus was baptized, when the better Yeshua came out through the waters of the Jordan River, when the the, the, the better Yeshua came through the Jordan River, the heavens were revealed for just but a moment. And those who were present, I I, I would have loved to be there. The, The heavens were revealed and a glorious glimpse. We got to see, they got to see a glorious glimpse of heaven literally on earth at that moment. They heard the audible voice of God for the first time as the Holy Spirit descended upon the sun in the form of a dove. A dove being a symbol of peace. The dove being the bird of peace, not like a war eagle, not like a mighty, you know, big war kind of a bird, but a dove, a simple bird, a bird of peace, anointing the head of the Christ just as he's about to walk into the wilderness, which we'll get to that when, when, when Lent comes. This first Yeshua, this first Joshua, remember the, the Joshua in the Old Testament, he came through these waters of the Jordan River and he was ready to fight. He was ready to destroy what came on the other side. And he ended up, if you continue to read the story, Joshua and his army ended up killing the Canaanites that stood in his way. Ended up killing the enemy. But Jesus, the Son of God, This better Yeshua, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, he came through these same waters. He walked through the same waters of the Jordan, came up out of the waters in his own baptism, only he was ready to heal. He was ready to bring peace. He was ready to save the Canaanites, the enemies, and ultimately was even killed by these same enemies. And so it's in this baptism of Jesus that a new kingdom is beginning to be ushered in. 
And baptism was the doorway for Jesus into this new kingdom. Just as baptism becomes for us a similar doorway. Baptism as an invitation to leave this broken down world and to enter into God's new creation. Baptism as an invitation to leave behind all the kingdoms that we build based on empire and money and greed and and warfare and instead enter into a kingdom where God reigns and his rule is only love. And this is the beautiful part for us. All of those who follow Jesus, especially follow him through the waters of baptism, enter sacramentally into his revolutionary kingdom. You see, you and I get to hear the same voice that Jesus heard. This is what kind of got me this week when I was reading through this. I felt as if God was speaking these words to me, and I hope you feel like he's speaking these words to you. We get to hear the same voice that Jesus heard. We get to hear from God the Father saying that he loves you, that he loves me. And as you go through and you pass through those waters of baptism and into this revolutionary kingdom of love, you get to hear the Father say, you are my son. Put your name in there. You are my daughter and I love you. I love you. And God says, I am happy with who you are. Because no matter what other people have said about you, no matter what other people have, 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 have conjured up and created your mind to think about who you are, the truth is that you are a person of worth and value and dignity and God does indeed love you. There is a lot in this broken down, failing system we live in that tells us otherwise. There is so much out there where we hear that we're not good enough or that we need to do this in order to be accepted or that there's no way God could love a person like you. But in God's revolutionary kingdom where the ethos is all love, we hear a different voice. We hear a voice that says, you are my sons. You are my daughters and I love you And I am happy with you. The invitation of Jesus is simply to come. That's all he's asking. He simply is asking you to come. He even says, come all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus will take you. Jesus will lead you into the life you've always dreamed of even if you can't put to words what that dream actually is. And he simply invites you to come. Come into this doorway. Come to these waters of baptism just as you are. Simply as you are. Now as you start hanging out with Jesus, when you start reading the words of Jesus and and, and getting infiltrated with his kingdom and his revolutionary kingdom of love and as you start hanging out with other people who follow Jesus and live in this same kingdom you're not going to be able to help but be transformed by the spirit that's just the way that it works with God 
That's just the way that it works with Jesus. He invites you to come just as you are, but he refuses to let you stay the same. But for today, just for today, we don't need to talk about that stuff. I just want to land on this, that you are loved by God. Just hear that voice this morning, that you are loved by the God of the cosmos. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do a very short uh, Lectio Divina type of uh, prayer practice. Um, We're going to uh, read through the same passage that we read through this morning as our confession where we ask the question, what is it that can separate us from God's love? This comes from Romans 8, 35 to 39. Uh, this is a paraphrase. This is a uh, paraphrased version that I came up with this week, kind of dug through uh, in the uh, original language and came up with this paraphrase. But what I want to do is I want to pray and contemplate through these words that Paul writes to us about just how much it is that God loves us. Paul writes, is anything able to keep God's love from us? When times are hard, what about when we are distressed or persecuted for who we are? What if we don't have what we need? What if we're in danger or at risk of being killed? Will that keep us from God's love? Not at all. The love of Jesus has conquered all things and more. Because I am convinced beyond any doubt that physical and spiritual death cannot separate us. That the ugly, messy parts of life cannot separate us. That heavenly and earthly rulers cannot separate us. That's what's happening to us right now or what may happen to us in the future cannot separate us. That the powers that be and the barriers of division cannot separate us. That the great depths of knowledge or any other human-made thing will never be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what I want you to do is I want to invite you into a time of prayer. I want to invite you into a time to make yourself comfortable. Close your eyes, leave your eyes open, find a different space if that helps for you. Make sure you notice your breath. Make sure that you notice your breathing. Right? And just enter into this time, this few minutes of prayer with our God. Father, God, and Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we simply ask for your guidance as we pray this morning. Not that we would see ourselves as the world sees us, not that we would see ourselves even as we see us, but that we would see ourselves through the same eyes that you see us, and that is loved. God, we ask that your spirit, as close as the air that we breathe, would guide us into this time of prayer.
where we come before you thankful for everything that we have, thankful for you, thankful for your son. Thank you for your love. And so what I want to do is just read this one more time from Romans 8.35. And I want you to continue to breathe. Continue to be surrounded by the presence of God. Inhale all the love and the good that is from God and exhale the stuff that is kind of holding you back this morning. And as I read through it this time, I want you to pause or linger upon a word or a certain string of words that you may be connected to, that you feel God is speaking to you this morning at this very moment. And so Paul writes, he says, is anything able to keep God's love from us? Perhaps when times are hard. Or what about when we are distressed or persecuted for simply being who we are? What if we don't have what we need? What if we're in danger or at risk of being killed? Will that keep us from God's love? Paul says, not at all. The love of Jesus has conquered all things and even more. Paul says, because I'm convinced beyond any doubt, I continue to be convinced that physical and spiritual death cannot separate us from God's love. For I am convinced beyond any doubt that the ugliness, the messy parts of life cannot separate us. That heavenly and earthly rulers cannot separate us. That what's happening right now in our lives or in the future is not going to separate us. says, I'm convinced beyond any doubt that the powers that be and the barriers of division cannot separate us from the love of God. That all the great depths of knowledge and all the heights of any human-made thing is never able to separate us from the unlimited love of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sit for just a moment on a particular word or a phrase or perhaps for you the entirety of this passage. What word from God do you need to hear right now? Perhaps it's simple. It's as simple as hearing God's voice say, your name, fill in the blank. I love you. I love you. Holy, holy, holy spirit. As we leave this place of gathered worship this morning, walk out those doors and go into the scattered worship 
of this afternoon and tomorrow morning and Tuesday and on and on. We simply ask that you would send us out with your grace, with your presence, with your breath in our lungs and help us to remember our baptism. Help us to remember the waters that we came through, that doorway into your new revolutionary kingdom of love where we get to hear your voice say to us that you love us. You get to call us your beloved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 